Hey, listeners, before we get started, if you're enjoying these episodes, you can actually check them out on YouTube in full video. You can just search Honest Ecommerce and you'll get pulled right to our channel. Make sure you subscribe and ring the bell for all the updates. Building this business is never going to get easy. It's always going to be really difficult. And so just maintaining happiness throughout the entire process is very, very important. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and today we're welcoming to the show an awesome, awesome founder. Nish is joining us from Array. He is the co-founder and co-creator. He heads up the brand's influencer marketing, tech, and operational programs alongside his wife, Sif. Welcome to the show, Nish. So excited to be here, Chase. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah. I mean, we were having a blast in the pre-show, so I'm sure this is gonna be a good one for the listeners. So for the uninformed, just quickly, what's the product? What are we talking about? What's the brand you kind of started? We're talking about 100% natural supplements. We have two products right now for bloating and anxiety, but 100% natural supplements are working under an hour. That's our brand. Awesome. All right. Well, take me back in time. Where did this idea come from? How, how, like, what was going on in your life? How did this pop into your head? What was the ideation like? So honestly, my wife had a chronic cough that which fractured a rib. And it was wow. so bad. Yeah, yeah. Like it, was, it, was, it was a terrible story. She was just coughing, coughing, um, had a um, hairline fracture in her rib. And when she went to the doctor, they prescribed her codeine. And that was kind of a situation where it was like, okay, let's go and find a better way to be able to solve, you know, more just everyday kind of problems. And so we were experimenting with all kinds of things for natural supplements and vitamins, minerals, and herbs. And we were really able to kind of figure out how to solve things like better immunity, better digestion, better um, anxiety, whatever those things might be. And so essentially we were experimenting and the kitchen of ours started looking like this massive apothecary because there was so many supplements. And, you know, my wife, Siv, she was going absolutely nuts with uh, all this experimentation. And one day we were traveling and I also started feeling sick and I was like, okay, well, give me some of the stuff that you have. I was like, oh, wow, this stuff really, really works. And so what's really interesting is, um, so Siv comes from a beauty space and I come from a technology space. And so we come from these different worlds, but uh, we always wanted to kind of work together and say, okay, what is an idea that would work well together? And this happened to be that we were both pretty well acquainted with the beauty space where all the products that we would see in the beauty space would be, you know, formed by a dermatologist and they would be really efficacious. And we know that they would work under an hour because you could actually see the effects of them. And also they were really pretty. So you could integrate them into your routine. And that was just not the case in the wellness world. And so we kind of set out to bring those attributes to the wellness world. And that's how Array was born. Awesome. That's a fantastic story. So how long from uh, kind of the ideation of, you know, we're going to start this brand, like we're doing this, you know, you've made the choice until you actually had like a sample in your hands. Yeah. So it actually took about a year and a half to almost two years because the hardest part initially was how do we even build this product out and what do we want to be in it. And so, you know, a, a huge part of that is just the science behind it. And so one of the things we had to do is do a bunch of research of who we were working with and the kind of ingredients we wanted to use, suppliers and the manufacturers that we wanted to work with. And so we went down this really big 
kind of rabbit hole to find the right people to work with. Because one of the things is that it's actually really easy to create supplements these days. Um, it's really hard to create ones that actually work. And it's really hard to find people who have the scientific kind of background and knowledge to be able to want to work with you to be able to build that. And so we got really lucky because we found someone who is an expert in eating disorders and mental health issues. Um, and she kind of owns a clinic here in Toronto, which specifically deals with those problems and deals with really, really intense versions of those problems. And so we worked with that person, Dr. Natalie Mulligan, to kind of come up with, okay, let's come up with something really efficacious that you use with your patients, but we can kind of extrapolate that for the everyday person. Um, that's number one. The second thing is we had to go out and really work with the right people to make sure that we're sourcing the right type of ingredients. We're making sure that everything's organic. We're making sure that all those things just work really well together. So there's that portion of it on the kind of product development side, but also there was the portion of this, which was, um, okay, let's go and gather the money to be able to go to manufacturing, meet those MOQs, um, go with the branding and design, all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, based on our story, one of the most important things was making sure that the branding was really on point. And so we had to work, we wanted to work with someone who really knew what they're doing. So we had to allocate some budget for that. So essentially me and Sif, we kind of used up all of our wedding money into the business instead of having a wedding. That's how we kind of paid for all this kind of stuff. Um, and also on top of that, uh, we were both working full-time jobs. So I was working my my tech job and you know, Sif was working on her influencer editor stuff. And we were just taking everything we could and putting it into the business. And it was about a year when we a year into the business that we finally quit. So we we quit after we hit a million dollars in revenue. That's when we quit our quit our full-time jobs. But yeah. Awesome. A lot of stuff I want to unpack there. So you say that it is it's never been easier to start or to create a supplement, right? And I, I would say, sure, I'll agree with that. <laughs> but I would say that just because you can create a product doesn't mean that you have a market for it. So talk yeah. to me about how you found your customers. For sure. So I'm a huge fan of the concept of uh, a thousand true fans by Kevin Kelly. Um, it is something that was I was kind of listening to through the Tim Ferriss podcast, and it really stuck with me. So essentially, what we're really trying to do is make a hundred or even a thousand people just really, really happy. And that's kind of how we um, set out thinking about this. So we said, what is a problem that a hundred people really kind of deeply um, suffer from? And they would miss this if they didn't have the product if they, and once they started using it. And so we were thinking of, okay, what are these different problems? And what, are, what, what can we build that people really just need um, because it's a necessity in their lives. And so it came to us that, you know, we obviously did a bunch of research talking to a lot of people and um, digestive issues is one of them. But more specifically, like bloating is a really big one. And there's a bunch of other issues that are, but, you know, bloating and digestive issues was, it was, it was a really big one, especially we started the company in March of 2019, like literally when the pandemic um, started. And so when that happened, everybody was bloated and everybody was anxious. Um, and so we just said, okay, why don't we go and create something for that group of people. And we also just know that it's a larger group than um, when it was in, in, in the midst of COVID. And so we set out with a very small, specific kind of audience in mind and build a product around that, that we knew would scale in the future. But it was really about a very small group first. Did you have your branding done at that point? And you know, any of the initial concepts of what, what types of product line you wanted to be in? And then you were just looking for a very specific problem to solve? Yeah, we knew the branding um, before we actually even launched the product. So the the name Array, as an example, comes from um, software development. So I'm I'm a software um, engineer uh, 
by, by trade, I guess. And so, um, you know, um, an array is a data set which holds a bunch of different kind of data um, 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 in there. And so what we wanted to do was, okay, array is going to be something that solves a multitude of different or, or problems. It's something that um, we can use um, in our branding so that when we grow the company, it's going to grow because we can solve a multitude of different kinds of problems. Um, that's kind of where the ideology came from. So all those things were really well thought out. And we, we specifically thought out a name. We specifically thought about, you know, how we name our products as an example. And so all those things were um, thought out first. And then we came up with, okay, here's the products that we want to actually create, but the brand, the colors, the, um, the kind of market that we wanted to go after, who we we're going to target, um, what they like writing out that customer avatar was one of the very, very first things we did. Like we knew, um, we kind of set out a clock where we looked at their entire day and said, where does this person do at every hour of the day? And how do we integrate ourselves into their day at different parts of the day? And that kind of has always inform who they are, what they do, where we fit in. But that's how we kind of thought of the process. Oh, you're just sharing so much awesome stuff here. All right. So <laughs> we've got a, a product, we've got a target market. And so what's the go-to-market strategy? How were you trying to get those initial sales on what I'm assuming is a Shopify store? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So initially, honestly, it was just um, finding the one distribution channel that would work really well for us and kind of going from there. Now, um, me and Sif have a um, unfair advantage here where we have worked with a lot of different channels already. So I actually built out like an ads platform in my old company. So I knew exactly how ads work and Sif knew exactly how influencer marketing worked. Um, so what we really wanted to do was say, okay, let's focus all of our energy because it's only the two of us on this one distribution channel and scale that as much as we can. For that, uh, for us, that was actually influencer marketing. So we knew a lot of influencers that we kind of trusted. We also knew just a lot of people in the space who suffer from this program. Um, from this, sorry, from this problem. And so we went out and we were gifting super heavily. And that's all we did. We just gifted really heavily, leveraged all of our contacts and try to get this into as many people's hands as possible. And we did a really good job at kind of just getting this into the hands of the right influencers, which blew us up. So we went from zero to a million dollars in the first year just by that revenue channel. All right. You're again, just doing my job for me. I love it. <laughs> All right, so you I need to highlight here. You set you put all of your effort into one marketing channel and scaled it as far as you could before yeah. going in the other ones, right? Exactly. And so let's just for the audience, again, why did you only focus on one? So there's this thing that I love saying is that while you can do anything you want, you can't do everything you want. And you have to be so mindful of where you're putting your energy, especially in the early days, because it's just very limited um, time and output. And all you care about is honestly, in my opinion, is just output. So what is the most I can do to get me what is most important to me? And for us at that point, it was just we want as many people who are in our realm of the target audience to um, buy this product and, and even have an experience with this product. And the best way for us to do that is by going through influencers. Why? We know how to do it and we have the time and capabilities to be able to do so. Now, you know, if you look at something like advertising as an example, it's actually harder to do that because you need a design team. You need to know how to work on ads. You need to know how to do copywriting. You need data to play with. Exactly, exactly. And so it's actually more complex than what we were good at as an example. So that's what we did, focus all of our energy on it. And it just paid so much, so many multiples. It was a, you know, it was a really good decision. 
If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E.io. Mesa is the easy to use answer for automating the everyday challenges of running a Shopify store. Find more aha moments when you're spending less time in the weeds and can focus on the bigger picture. With automations, you have all the power of code without the learning curve. You can easily customize how Shopify and your apps work with one-click integrations. From auto-tagging orders to sending order details to a Shopify customer database, Mesa connects your data where it's needed most. To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. So find your peace of mind and kick up your feet with a simplified workload to manage the everyday stress of running your Shopify store. Search for Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Free plan available with a no-cost setup included. We've talked about this before on our podcast, but returns are an absolute hassle. They're often costly, time-consuming, and complicated, but there's a better way to handle returns. Our partner Loop helps Shopify brands deliver hassle-free return experiences. Their platform empowers shoppers to process their own returns, creating a better user experience for both you and your customers. Plus, they encourage exchanges over refunds. They make it a lot easier for shoppers to browse through your entire product catalog at the point of return. It's a true win-win. Loop is trusted by over 1,600 Shopify merchants from side hustles to enterprise-level brands like Patagonia, Brooklinen, and Chubby's. It's time to transform your returns into exchanges. Learn more at loopreturns.com slash honest. That's L-O-O-P-R-E-T-U-R-N-S dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Okay, so you didn't just send one product out to Kim Kardashian and get a million dollars. Can you share with us kind of like how many product samples you actually sent out or just like a rough ballpark? Yeah, it was... We were gifting about 100 per month initially. Um, and we were gifting very... And just completely free, paying for shipping, all that, right? And no, that, nothing yeah. asked in return. Literally zero. And so here's the most important thing. We ha- we know the way certain influencers work. And our whole goal was just like, really honestly, we created something for ourselves. We have a story that was super genuine. And we just don't want other people to feel the way that we were feeling. And we want people to be able to you know, enjoy their pizza. We want people to be less anxious. We just want to help people as much as possible. And so that is what we would do. We would put that story on a piece of paper. We would write it down of why we created the company. We would package it up really, really nicely. And we would um, ship every single product out. Now, I think the cost of shipping every product out was, was around $20 when you took into account the shipping, the packaging, the product, whatever, $20 to $25. But, uh, that's okay. Like that's that's just what it took. And so we were looking at what uh, 
25 times by 100 um, per month minimum. And so, and it's actually not that much money when you think about it, but it was just really, really important for us to do that. And so we would do that. And what was important here is expect nothing in return because we believe so much in the product. We believe so much in the problem that our whole idea was that if somebody tries this, they're going to fall in love with it. And if they don't, we don't really want that person to be talking about their product anyway. And so it was about gifting, expecting nothing in return. And we would actually write that in our, in our, in our content. We say, we actually don't expect anything in return. Just try it for yourself because we've done research on you and we know you struggle with digestive issues. Just try it out for yourself. Um, and we did it enough. And by the way, our hit rate in terms of people who would actually share was not really high. Like out of the hundred people, maybe five to 10 people would actually share. Um, but that's all you needed because those five to 10 people were so gung ho about our product and our mission that they would really say what we were thinking. And that kind of just led to one after another growing really quickly. All right. That's amazing. So this influencer gifting strategy took you to a million dollars. And by the way, I need to thank you for being so transparent about these numbers. It's rare in times in these conversations. So I thank you for that because I know our listeners really enjoy it. Um, so does, is the same strategy that took you to a million, did that same strategy help you get from one to 10 or did things change? No, things changed very drastically. I actually think that change, things changed so drastically, we didn't even understand. So um, it's really interesting, but every channel changes so much at these certain kind of uh, milestones. Um, and by the way, that zero to one, you don't have to go influencer. In fact, I would say that it's probably not very successful for most people to go influencer from zero to one because most people don't know how to execute on it properly. Um, it's really easy to go from zero to one with advertising. It's really easy to go to easy to go zero to one with retailing as an example. But um, what happened with uh, with us is that um, every single distribution channel um, has diminishing returns after a certain point, um, unless you actually um, have a very different um, strategic shift. So as you as you look at this for us, it was for us initially it was just gifting. After that, it actually became, okay, well, gifting is not really working anymore. Um, we have to switch to maybe something like um, using an affiliate program or um, using um, paid influencers, as an example, or working with really, really large influencers. So these are all different strategies that we had to shift because we could just see that it was not returning anywhere near to it. If you continue on that road, we would barely even make 10% of what we made in our first year just by continuing the same strategy. Um, it just didn't work. And so we had to kind of go from the from the one to 10. We had to add some distribution um, channels on there. So for, for us, we definitely, you know, leaned into um, paid advertising as one of them. And um, the last one is just email and SMS. So those um, three are such powerful tools um, just to, you know, really, really help grow that revenue numbers. That is what took us to um, that next mark. But yeah. Yeah. So when I think about kind of direct consumer businesses in the kind of like the phases of their business, right? I think that from zero to 1 million is like you're you're a startup, you're finding product market fit and your goal is there is just sell the thing, hone your message, hone your offer, right? And I think that a lot of people want to jump into paid ads too early, but they don't have as much data as they should to really do it efficiently. You know, they don't have much talent with doing influencers, stuff like that. And I just think that zero to one is is the hardest, right? But then your your challenges from going to one to ten million dollars, I would call this phase like the scaling phase. Now you're getting systems in place and you're correcting the things that have broke because you've gotten to such a scale that you know this duct taped solution that you had before isn't going to work anymore. Um, let's talk a, a bit more about that scaling phase. So when it comes to that, I think that certain things are just really important to have as a foundation. So how good is your team? Are you, do you have the right people in customer support? Do you have the right people in operations? Do you have the right people in marketing? Um, something that I notice a lot of people do is go 
really heavy in the marketing, but they don't have their operations or um, CS teams or even data teams in place. And so mm-hmm. for us, when I think of the sequence of events, one of the things, obviously, we have the marketing team, the really strong, just really strong two people on the marketing team. But the ops team became bigger than the marketing team. And that, that became bigger because we were looking at how to set up proper fulfillment channels. We're looking at creating a really good opening experience. So working with the right partners for that. We're looking at creating really strong customer service because I actually think in the early days, customer service is like a retention channel uh, for most people and just being so quick about it. There was a study then where like, if you go and reply to a customer within 10 minutes, um, they will buy from you again, even if they're really upset. And so I actually sat there and I was replying to emails as quickly as I possibly could. Um, and that's kind of, that helped us build really authentic relationships with a bunch of people. And so customer support was really important. So customer support operations and all that fulfillment stuff, we had to get in, get um, together first because if you have a product that's winning, then you're going to scale a lot faster than you think you are. And running out of product is truly a very stressful experience. We ran out of product four times um, in our first year of business. And it was, it was brutal. Customers got upset. They never wanted to buy from you again. It was really, really hard. And so just making sure that that's all that stuff is set up is really important. And then actually what happens, and this actually even happens at the $3 million mark, where you actually now have enough data to really be analyzing that stuff properly. And so what we do now is we obviously use a bunch of apps. Like we use apps like Lifetimely to look at, you know, cohort data, LTV data. Uh, we use a bunch of stuff to look at retention data from um, our um, subscriptions and whatnot. And so we have a bunch of really good metrics on that side. But we also actually work with an external data person who, who pulls raw data to be able to interpret in different ways and to give you information. So for example, if you have a bunch of different products, um, okay, who is buying what product with what um, at, at what point in their lifetime journey? Um, how can we bundle those together? How do we do post sales? How do we do upsells? How do we cross sales? How do you tie in your email strategy with your ad strategy with your um, upsell cross sell strategy? So actually getting the data piece correct is really important after the first two are done. And so all these things really evolve. And a part of it just becomes having the right people kind of looking at all these things holistically. And your job as a founder is to make sure that you have these systems and teams in place so that when you're scaling to that 10 million mark, all these people know what they're doing because the others you're not going to be able to scale. Yeah, absolutely. You got to get the right people in the right seats on your bus or you, you can't do it all yourself. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So uh, what would you say these days like would be attributed to like social media advertising versus kind of the influencer? Uh, it was like influencer marketing, I guess, uh, that got you kind of like off the ground. Yeah, I, I, I really think that they play different roles. I think that um, influencer marketing is a great way to start off. And uh, it, it's a great way to um, get some traction, build a, build a good brand and get some early sales. Um, I wouldn't say that it, uh, it necessarily moves a needle um, you know, after that $1 million mark kind of thing, but it definitely is really important to build a strong brand. So we actually spend um, it always about um, 10 to 15% of our budget just on brand marketing with influencers. Um, it just really helps us um, work with people that we want to work with who kind of are um, in the right um, mindset as ours and are continuously pushing a brand to keep it top of mind with a lot of our kind of target market. And that we expect nothing in return um, from them, but we're always kind of uh, pushing budget towards them and it's, it's, it's working. It's working really well. Now, for direct 
revenue, that's where we spend a lot of money on um, this advertising, um, like uh, digital media advertising. Um, it is probably our, it's our second most profitable channel. Our most profitable channel is email. And so we have a very, you know, complex kind of um, email flow and funnel kind of setup. Um, but we leverage a lot of obviously paid ads. We also do a lot of email marketing. And then we have a lot of brands out of the influencer things. And it's a combination of those that really help move the needle, but it's not one of the, one of them by themselves. With that, you know, it's kind of all of the pieces are working collectively. So you wouldn't say that one outshines the other. It's like you need all the pieces in place. Yeah, you really need all the pieces in place. Like if you if I turned off one of those channels, I would see a really significant dip in revenue tomorrow if I if I did that. So it's I think that uh you really want because like I feel like one of the things, for example, influencers and brand, it just builds your audience. So people hear about you, they're thinking about you, they're maybe looking you up on Google. Then on the paid side of things, you're looking at the traffic and you'll be able to target them. And you can get really granular, okay, like who's buying my product, who's looking at my product, just having those set up so you can kind of collect those sales and that. And on the email side, that does such a great job of kind of um, remarketing to your existing audiences or converting people who are interested in you, but have never bought from you. And is that you could have a strategy there. So they all work in a, in a different part of the flow. And all together is where they work really, really well because you want to build an audience and you want to sell to them, then you want to make sure they're engaged. So they all help on different parts of the flow, but it's definitely not one over the other. Yeah. So I guess I, I already know your answer to this, but I'm going to ask it in a very blunt way. Uh, you would like if you were looking at kind of your analytics reports just with last touch attribution, that would just be a terrible insight. Yeah. I think last touch attribution, honestly, we only look at it just to know which platform on advertising is, is working really well. And so that's just for us to get really sophisticated on um, how we spend on our advertising as an example, because attribution these days is just so horrible that um, we try to get as granular as possible. So for everybody out there, we use Triple Whale and it's very helpful for us just to look at um, attribution on different platforms. Um, but is it, it, I wouldn't say it's garbage. It's just a metric in a big scheme of things. It's not like my yeah. um, be all end all by any means. Yeah, and you know, and, and that's the thing about the metrics in general is they they all work together. Like one doesn't matter on its own, really, because there's so much more that goes into it. Also, we're huge fans of Triple Whale over here. They're from Columbus, where we're from. Oh, amazing! Uh, they're great. They're great. And I think I had a bonus episode came out with them. By the time this one comes out, probably 20 episodes you can find <laughs> a bonus episode. <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome, Nis. Now, like, is there anything I forgot to ask you about today that you think would resonate with our audience? Oh man, there's so many things. I I think that uh, one of the most awesome indicators of success is actually um, when things are going a little bit wrong. So when things go wrong, it's really interesting because they're going wrong for a reason, and it might be because you're growing too quickly or there's problem rising because like things are moving forward. And so when things are moving forward and you've never done them before, some problems arise. And so when problems arise, you should be excited because you get to solve something that didn't ex that wasn't there before. So as an example. You know, we got a cease and desist letter because we were shipping things out of our home and our apartment was like, what are you guys running a massive business out of your apartment building, which is totally illegal. And so, you know, if I think back a year and a half ago, I was so stressed out because I was like, oh my God, like, how am I going to ship these to our, to our, to our people? But it kind of forces you to go to fulfillment center, figure things out. So is, is, and I can think of, you know, 10 other problems that we've kind of experienced, but it's been really, um, I think that's a good indicator that it's a bad one. So there's a mind shift change. And the last one is, just for me, I think that uh, 
building this business is never going to get easy. It's always going to be really difficult. And so just maintaining happiness throughout the entire process is very, very important because it's just so easy to get stressed out, especially when, you know, Facebook stops working or like your revenues are down or something's going wrong or the other. I think that these things just happen a lot and just uh, understanding this is part of the ride and just truly enjoying the process because you love what you're doing. You love everything about the business. You love serving the customers. I think that having that, that positivity all the time is really important or it just gets really stressful for the wrong reasons. Um, and it's bound to be stressful all the time. So that's something I learned kind of recently. So I think this, those two things are really important. Yeah, it's it's about the journey, not the destination, right? 100%. Speaking of destinations, we have made it to the end of the podcast. Um, man, that was the best transition I've ever done. Um, so <laughs> for people that are curious about the product, where should they go to check it out? You can check it out at Array.com or Array.co on Instagram and TikTok. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Jason. It was so much fun. Thank you so much. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.